Planning Commission. And in the absence of Steve Warnke, I will be chairing this evening's meeting. Um, I'd like to confirm for everyone that tonight's meeting has been publicized through the normal uh, sites of adjoining property owners, newspaper legal notice, and the physical posting of the site. Uh, also the Zoom and the video conferencing contact information was published on the Route County website meeting agenda and on Facebook. Uh, tonight's meeting is also available um, by calling. Uh, you can get the live audio by calling 669-900-6833. As Christy has indicated, we prefer that everybody uh, uses their mute button unless you are called on or or spoken or have something to say and then you'll be uh, clicked on by the host and you can be able to speak. Uh, you can raise your hand, which is the exercise we just went through, or in Billy's case, maybe we'll, we'll wave. <laughs> um, Christy, should I talk about those that are participating via phone and audio only? Um, you might as well. I don't see um, anybody that may be on public comment except for um, Cheyenne Bailey. I don't know who that is, um, but okay. might as well. She's with Pathfinder. She's with Pathfinder. Okay. okay. Um, I don't see anybody else on the call, but you might as well. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if there's anyone wishing to participate via phone with audio only, can mute or unmute by pressing star six on their keypad. They can raise their hand by pressing star nine. And those participating via computer or smartphone with video can raise their hand by putting their cursor on their picture or square if no video. And near the top where there are three dots, options appear, one of them is raise hand. Or you can go down to the participant section, <laughs> click on that, and a screen will pop up on your right-hand side that'll let you raise your hand. So with that, I will call the meeting to order and ask Sarah to conduct a roll call of the commissioner's president. And when your name is called, please unmute and verbally uh, say that you are here. Sarah? Okay, Steve Warnke, Brian Kelly, Andrew Benjamin, Troy Brookshire. Here. Roberta Marshall. Bill Norris. Here. Greg Yeager. Here. Peter Flint. Here. Billy Mitzelfeld. He's here. I know he's here. I'm looking at him. Um, and Linda Miller. Got it. Thank you. I don't see any as Christy mentioned, but if there, 
uh, I call the meeting to order and if there's any members of the public that would wish to address Planning Commission on any items not on tonight's agenda, uh, please indicate by raising a hand. Okay, seeing none, we'll close that. <clears throat> Next item on the agenda is the King Creek Ranch Wireless Internet Tower, PL 2164. Um, is the petitioner here to make the presentation? Yes. This is a Far Shepherd with Pathfinder. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, uh, commissioners. So um, we appreciate uh, working with uh, Tegan and uh, we have uh, submitted a packet to be able to um, install a wireless internet tower um, that would be on the private property at King Creek Ranch inside of the packet that was put together uh, by staff for the meeting um, on page um, 12 and 13. There's a design. I'd be happy to share that if that would be appropriate. Um, I would need the permission for that just to show a visual. Um, you let me um, share the screen and I'll put up okay. that page. Okay, thanks to you. And you said page 12? Uh, I believe uh, a good one maybe to start with would be page 12, yes. Okay. Yeah. And this uh, is a design document that we've uh, presented and met with Tegan on site. Um, and essentially the goal here is to be able to provide uh, wireless high-speed internet to um, not only residents at King Creek Ranch, but also uh, staff and other members of the community uh, that are within line of sight of this tower. Um, the tower will be fed um, from a, a service elsewhere. Um, so this is a distribution location. And um, the, it is a, uh, the permit request was for a 35 foot tower, um, but we initially would only be building it at a uh, approximately um, 25 to 30 feet. Um, it would be painted green camouflage. Uh, the, the presentation that Tegan will show you is actually showing red. That was only to contrast it against the background, but it will actually be painted green. And uh, this would service um, uh, potentially other folks in South Route County um, as well. We have uh, spoken with um, the school district to try to see if we could use this as a location to bring service to other places in need uh, such as uh, Yampa, Bond, or McCoy. Um, so it has, a, it has more value for the community um, out than just King Creek Ranch, um, but it is at a high point on King Creek Ranch. Um, although it is at a high point on King Creek Ranch, it is not uh, uh, for scenic corridor or aesthetics. It's very low visibility uh, along the Highway 131. Um, so there's very few locations that, could, that would actually be able to see it because of the small size. Um, many towers are often 80 foot in size. This is about a third of, of that. Um, so it would be pretty, pretty low key. And you can see in the middle picture there kind of the perspective uh, up against the nearest home. Um, so it is clear of all setbacks. Uh, there would be no new roads or any um, um, need for parking other than what's already available due to the open condition around it. Uh, so we would be able to access it directly um, with a small truck uh, to do the build out. Um, power would be 
located from the nearest adjacent building. Um, so we do have a building permit request in uh, simultaneously with this one uh, and an electrical permit um, to pull the power from the nearest site. So we would not be, um, there would be no additional aerial pulls uh, needed to power the location. So that's the, um, that page. And then the next one below just kind of shows a overview aerial of a, a approximately where the location is. And then this is from the GIS assessor site to show exactly where that is within the parcel uh, located for that property. Um, happy to answer further questions, but that, that's the initial presentation to try to give the synopsis of the request. Thank you. Does Planning Commission have any questions of the petitioner at this point? I have a question. Okay, Linda. Um, I noticed in the uh, application, there was an indication that your intention is to get the tower built um, basically right away uh, by the end of the year. Is that correct? That is correct. And is that feasible? Um, it would be realistic for us um, to get it built because the, it's a four foot by four foot square um, in size. So um, the dirt work is uh, pretty, goes pretty quickly. The tower comes in uh, pre-built sections. So we've been able to build these towers in one or two days uh, once the concrete sets. The one, one thing that was brought to our attention just recently is that perhaps a soil sample would be needed. And so if it's uh, decided that we need to wait to, um, to dig until the soil samples provided, that would certainly slow us down a little bit. Uh, we don't love to dig when the snow's on top of the ground, um, but we could do it with a small enough uh, size as this is. So it would be our intention to still proceed. Um, that also helps us to avoid the, um, the predatory bird uh, a study that would need to be done in the spring um, for their for their uh, nesting. So uh, for that reason, we would still desire to complete the build this year. Good, Linda. Other questions? Tegan. Um, Far did a great job describing the project. Um, Pathfinder is a company that has um, some other wireless internet towers in some counties um, south of Route County, but this is their first application for a wireless internet tower in Route County. Um, as he explained, the proposal is for a 35 foot tall tower. Their initial phase um, will not require a tower that tall, but um, and that phase would be strictly providing services to the houses, buildings, and um, staff that surround King Creek Ranch. And then the second leg of their um, project ideally will be that they'll be able to extend services to other um, folks in South Route. So, um, but they're proposing to build this initially at 35 feet tall so they can move on to that phase seamlessly later. Um, as he described, they're 
proposing to paint this green to blend with the um, surrounding trees. Um, the tower is up against a tree line on that ridge. Um, however, it is, you know, possibly visible from Highway 131, although it's significantly taller in elevation of that ridge line is. Um, so it's not immediately apparent to passing cars. Um, so uh, one concern that I want to address is um, an easement or access to the site. As in indicated in the applicant's narrative, if this is approved, then they will, um, King Creek Ranch will offer an easement or a lease, an access lease to get to this site. So um, I'm just gonna recommend an additional condition of approval to make sure there's some insulation in that, um, as well as the access through the actual King Creek Ranch LLC owned private roads um, that take you to that site. The actual parcel this is on is owned by an individual who is the managing partner of King Creek Ranch. Um, but we just wanna make sure everything's completely covered in either lease or easement agreements that cover access as well as the ability for co-location, which is a requirement for any of our towers in Route County. So I've got that in draft form, which I can go over um, kind of at the end of me talking. Um, an additional thing I wanted to bring up was that supplemental document that everybody was sent. That was from Colorado Parks and Wildlife and Barr kind of touched on this, um, that they have a requirement for a, um, a nesting study if the construction occurs between January 1st and July 31st each year. So their intent is to try and get that construction done ASAP um, before the end of the year. So. Um, that is something that potentially could be conditioned just in case they aren't capable of completing the construction before the end of the year, if this is approved. So those are my comments and I'm just gonna bring up, let me know on your screens if you can see this. Can you see the Word document? Yes. Yeah, there, that's better. Okay, um, so I've just included two additional suggestion, suggested conditions of approval. Um, if you all are going to be approving this, one is a requirement um, for a lease or access easement to be executed um, so that the service provider can access the site for installation and maintenance. Um, and then it must include a provision for co-location, the allowance of co-location. And then the second one is requiring access be granted by the King Creek Ranch LLC property um, to the applicant, as well as any potential co-locators in the future on those private roads that they own, which are King Creek Road and North Long Ridge Drive. Thank you, Tegan. Do the commissioners have any questions for staff or petitioner at this point? I can't see the raise your hand screen now, so. I can unshare. So. Now I can. <laughs> Sorry. Greg has his hand raised and so is Bill. Bill Norris. Unmute, there I am. Uh, 
Commissioner Pertigan, do we uh, do we need an additional uh, condition for uh, the nesting birds or the birds that they were talking about? The there was some sort of way of uh, flagging the antenna for a cat bird. You're you're cutting out a little bit. I couldn't hear the full question. Uh, there was in previous hours we had some way of uh, putting some flagging up for bird to uh, set something up like that. I'm missing like- Bill, scoot over question. towards your lamp a little bit. Over here. Yeah. Better. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. There we go. Towards the microphone. Uh, That's your radio voice. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, the question was, is, in prior uh, petitions, we had uh, uh, flagging of some sort that went on the tower. And I was just wondering if there was an additional condition we could put in before the study that would say that some kind of uh, uh, prevention of birds flying into the tower would be looked at. So what you're referring to is likely anti-perching devices. Um, and Far being the subject matter expert on these towers can speak to that. Um, the Department or Colorado Parks and Wildlife provided a best management guideline that the um, applicant is required to follow. And so maybe Far can explain if he's done anti perching devices on other um, towers of this size. We typically see them on the really big um, telecommunication towers, not necessarily these smaller ones. Thank you, Tegan. That's that's uh, the driver. Typically, is the higher, uh, taller towers. Um, so in this case, we we don't usually see a requirement for us uh, one of this short stature. Um, but a, another uh, thing that helps with that is on the um, tower design. The cross members are actually diagonal, um, so it's not as a attractive for the for the bird to sit on on it except for the top there's a flat part um, so we could put the anti-perching on the at the very top of that um, but we don't usually see it desirable uh, for a nest um, because it's a triangular and there's too much uh, space in the middle for them and they they don't usually like that I've um, included in uh, the suggested conditions of approval condition 23 includes a um, recommendation of a condition for anti-perching devices. This was prior to us hearing back from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, so we didn't know what their best management guidelines were going to say. Um, so ultimately, um, the applicant will need to follow those best management guidelines. And if Colorado Parks and Wildlife um, requires specifically in this instance anti-perching, then we've got it covered in that um, suggested condition number 23. Sorry, I skipped right over 23. <laughs> <laughs> it was hiding at the end. Greg. Sorry, Tegan. Uh, I, with the PDF that you sent to yesterday, the Colorado, the CPW uh, attachment for me, I could not see all of it. Um, so I was just kind of wanting to know a little bit more information of what they said in the letter. Was it all approvable other than 
what you're mentioning about the bird uh, mitigation study and then uh, did they give a timeline for the bird mitigation study or say anything more about that for a condition? Yes, so essentially what they had responded um, because I had previously worked on a King Creek Ranch um, application last fall. If you all remember, they have a special use permit for a recreation facility. Um, during that review process, I was aware that there was a sage grouse lek in the vicinity of the King Creek Ranch property. So that was one of the reasons why we were really adamant we needed um, response from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. They had indicated that um, this was in fact quite a far distance from that sage grouse lek, so there was no mitigating measures that needed to take place um, because of that. However, um, when they have towers being constructed that are going through the construction phase between January 1st and July 31st, they are required to get these um, nesting studies. So um, they indicated that the applicant is not required to do that if they're doing construction outside of that timeline, um, which is this applicant's intent. Thank you much. Any other questions uh, for, for Tegan or the petitioner from Planning Commission? I have one other question. Um, this is on specific condition 21, which is the revegetation issue. Uh, I'm just curious as to, does CSU extension uh, reflect that appropriate grass seed mixes would be natural uh, reseeding with native grasses as opposed to introductory grasses? Yes, in all likelihood, their recommendation would be native grasses. I can't speak specifically um, to what mix they would be using. Um, I guess is it differs depending on where they are in the county, um, sure. but in all likelihood, it's native mixes. Thank you. Seeing no other questions, I would offer to open this up for public comment. If there's anybody from the public that has any comments, please indicate that you would like to speak at this time. I don't see any public comments, so we'll close that portion. And uh, I would go back to Tegan and the petitioner or Christy, if there's anything else that um, you would like to add? I don't have anything at this time. Uh, thank you, commissioners. Nothing else for me. I appreciate your consideration. I have one thing that's bugging me, and that is the, uh, uh, Tegan, could you put back up your uh, suggested conditions mm -hmm. that you put in yellow for us a minute ago? Number 24, um, I'm not quite clear on the intent or what the, um, why we used the word lease in that condition. Um, I was thinking of like an access lease. 
versus an Ethernet packet. Far, if if you need to jump in, please feel free to jump in here. Um, have you had any conversations? Let me ask Far if you've had any conversations with King Creek Ranch LLC or the landowner specifically regarding this type of document. Yes, um, generally um, it is uh, seen that when the service is only for a private party, uh, we typically would ha um, have a property access license, which could also be considered a lease. And that just gives us permission. Of course, we, if we're starting to service other people outside of that property, um, then we would usually ask for an easement at that point. Um, so with, they are aware of the intent and the interest from South Route School District, which reached out to us. Um, and so they are open to that. Um, so we would probably start with the property access license for this phase of the project um, and get us to the winter. And then we can get an easement directly with both the private property owner and the Keen Creek Ranch uh, common uh, PUD or HOA um, to access through the roads. So that that is uh, on track and they have, uh, they're supportive of that. Um, they realize that others in the community would would uh, be able to benefit from this service and they're, uh, they are discussing that with us. Um, <clears throat> a lease or a license bothers me a lot. Those could be, I think, terminated mm. as opposed to a, uh, I would suggest a non-exclusive easement if, uh, if they're in agreement with that. Um, I suppose, I suppose an exclusive easement would be okay as long as it not only referenced your company, but any co-locators, but the use was then exclusive. So exclusive use, I think would be fine. But anyway, I, and I don't want to try to get into the legal stuff here. I'm just voicing a concern that I think because of other conditions, for example, the, the co-locating, and as Tegan pointed out earlier, it's a, um, it's a goal or a policy or whatever of Rock County to use these sites for re relocating properties. Um, so I, I think that uh, maybe we ought to just use something more generic on 24 um, that, that grants the petitioner and any co-locators on that site access. Um, and then I'm, I'm okay, I think with 25 that we're covered not only from the land owner, the lot owner, but then the roads within King Creek Ranch. So, it talks about the site. See, and it's the same problem though as written, it's to Pathfinder or any locating. Okay, that's fine. So 25, I think is fine, Tegan. Okay. Um, 
Do you want it to be like the permittee and any future co-locators shall be granted access by the property owner? Well, no, I think, I think the, document, the document that grants the access to Pathfinder, mm -hmm. um, that document in and of itself covers or should cover any future co-locators. It's like in the signs almost. So okay. you can, you can, a, a similar user can be included in that document. Does that make sense, Far? Yes, thank you. Uh, like the property owner shall grant access to service providers for the site, to the site. Just trying to think of exactly what it should say. Well, it sounds like they're all in, in complete agreement here. So I, I, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. I just think that there's gaps in the language they are using. So I'm just trying to cover the intent for Rock County. That looks like that might do it. For installation maintenance. Do you want to keep the lease or easement agreement shall be submitted to the planning department for review by the director? Yeah, let's get rid of the word, get rid of the word lease. I don't like that. Troy, can I uh, cut in just for a second? Just, yeah, just a minute. Let okay. me finish this thought. The easement agreement. Did you want access license? No, just leave it. Okay. You could say easement or other agreement is subject to the planning department, planning director's approval. Sure. Yeah, I think that's, I think that covers what we're, our intent is. Um, up after the word site, don't forget operation. It's an easement for installation and maintenance, but also operation. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Um, Billy? Yes, I was having a hard time getting on, but uh, I definitely followed what you were saying about the easement issue, and uh, I strongly support, uh, Troy, your comments that uh, there's no point in messing with the uh, 
the lease or the license, if we can go right straight to the easement. So changing the language as you suggested, uh, I think is a really good idea. So just you know, make the condition that an easement brought, you know, needs to be and just kind of cut out those other two things. So just want to pass that on. For staff and for the petitioner too, I'm not um, trying to burden the property owner. If this if use terminates, far I'm not opposed if you have a sunset provision in your document, in your agreement. If that makes the landowners, you know, more comfortable too, that then their title is not always burdened by some easement. Okay. So, you know, it's, it only makes sense to me that you could offer or, uh, you know, agree to a, to a sunset. If, if you guys no longer use this site, no collators are using the site, you know, it could uh, contain that sunset provision in that document. Thank you. Okay. So can we get rid of that and go back to the full screen? Okay, one last, uh, one last chance. Does anybody on Planning Commission have questions for Tegan or Christy at this time? Seeing no hands raised, uh, I think I'm ready for a motion. Mr. Chair. I, um, I, I thought we had a specific thing for discussion, so I, I, I had something I wanted to say, and we could, maybe that was supposed Just to ask. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was supposed to be in the previous section, okay? So um, I'd go like by to... my Go by my sections, not what's on the paper. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would like to propose uh, an, an addition of one simple sentence to the condition 22 about the uh, painting. Um, I think it's great uh, what the far is saying about the painting the tower green, or I guess, I guess he said a camouflage green, which is better yet. And I just think it would be um, no downside of clarifying that by just adding that sentence in there where it says, instead of saying painting it natural, we'll just, I would like the condition to say, um, that the tower will be painted camouflage green, period. Then, then there's no question what that means, and everybody knows. So that's all I got. I, hopefully, we can just add that and make that part of the condition. Anybody on planning commission have any uh, disagreement with Billy's condition 22? Bill has his hand raised. Bill. Back down. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, no, no other questions from Planning Commission. And you're okay with Billy's amendment to 22? Okay, um, why don't you add that, Billy, after we get a motion in a second? as an amendment. So the, the motion should include 22 as written, and then you can come in and amend 22 to state what you want it to state. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Chair's ready for a motion. Mr. Chair. I move to approve uh, conditional use permit PL 
20164 with the findings of fact one and two as written and the uh, general conditions one through 13 as written uh, specific conditions 14 through 23 as written and adding uh, Tegan's two conditions 24 and 25 as she has written Second. Is there a second? I'll second it. Okay, Greg has seconded it. Discussion. Uh, Greg, wasn't there, or maybe it's maybe it's Tegan. Did you want to add something about the CPW study? Or did we um, that is generally covered under um, that standard condition that we always include that this um, complies with all state, federal, and local guidelines. We can make it a specific condition. No, that's choose. fine. Okay. If you're comfortable with that, then sounds good to me. Then. And we got 24, which was the excess, and 25 was over the plateaus in the subdivision. So, motion made by Bill, seconded by Greg. Um, we need to go around. Uh, Sarah, do you want to go around, or should we just do it by acclamation? I think do it by acclamation, and anybody who disagrees should either raise their hand or say so. Okay. So just assume consent and ask for, uh, ask for nays. Okay. Uh, do I propose my amendment now or after we vote? Oh, I'm sorry, Billy. Uh, you can do that now, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I propose an amendment to... Uh, 22. What we got, what we have now, so condition 22. I'd like to add the um, sentence that the tower will be painted Camouflage green. That's that's it. Just add that sentence in. There. You okay with that, Greg? Bill? Yes. Okay. So let's change that to say camouflage green. Now then, I'm going to assume that everyone. I'm going to assume that everyone is going to vote in favor of the motion um, unless you disagree with the motion please signify by raising your hand and saying no okay i don't see any so the motion passes unanimously sarah Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Far. Thank, Thank you, Tina. Thanks, everyone. Have a good evening. You too. Good night. Nice background, Alan. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So the next item for discussion is PL 20-114 review process 
and fee schedule regulation amendment work session. Yeah, so I'll just go ahead and jump in and start. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is uh, an item that both Christy and I worked on. I spearheaded the review process changes portion of it. So I will lead the discussion on that. And then Christy led the fee schedule changes. She'll lead the discussion on that. And then I can, we'll both uh, jump in for, with any comments that we may have during, during those times. And so the, the impetus for this discussion is a new permit tracking software that we are getting. Um, currently, we are in the, um, the scope, the finalizing the scope so that we can get an accurate cost on what the software is going to cost. And tentatively, this is always a moving target, our tentative go live date is sometime in the spring of 21. Um, and like I said, that, that is a moving target, but hopefully it is a spring of 21. And we started the search for a new software three, maybe four years ago. And we traveled around, we went to Grand Junction, uh, the city of Fort Collins, Uh, the, I think Mesa County, we went, to, we went to several places around the state to look at the different software options that we had. And across the board, no matter which software that jurisdiction was using, the, the point that they tried to hammer home and which they did was <clears throat> try to minimize customizations to the software. So take the out-of-the-box workflows that these software companies have and change your process to match those workflows. And the, the reasoning behind that was that these softwares are so complex that once you start customizing and changing things, you run the risk of losing some of the functionality and then possibly losing some functionality when there is an update to that software. So that's the approach that we have been taking through this entire process is we're going to utilize the out-of-the-box workflows as much as possible and minimize those changes. So <clears throat> we have had many, many, many discussions with the software company on their workflows and we have made some minor changes to it, but for the most part, we are utilizing the out of the box workflows. And so we're taking this opportunity to, uh, to, to change our process, which I know our planning staff is very excited about because it is going to take some of the pressure off of staff leading up to uh, planning commission and board of county commissioner hearings. And we have had some discussions with the board about changes to the workflow and the fee schedule. And they were supportive of staff 
researching those changes and presenting those recommendations to planning commission on the board. And so this is our first in-depth conversation uh, about that. And so jumping into the, the review processes. Um, Alan, if I could just jump in really quick, um, just, um, just two key points. Um, that the search of this software, as Alan said, is a couple of years in the making, um, but it's also something that is a shared effort, a joint effort really with the city of Steamboat Springs um, and Route County Planning and our shared building department. So it's gonna be a universal um, software permitting system, but with that comes some changes that we're gonna be presenting to you to make sure that we're all on the same page with our processes um, and that we have a clear process, it's concise, it makes sense moving forward. Um, and then also we just have some um, antiquated reviews that have been, you know, our, our overall process um, just has been the way it has been for some time. And this is really about changing our processes to present more quality applications before they get to you. Um, along with that will be the second part of this will be updating our review schedule, our fee schedules um, as well, which we'll get to. But um, Alan will jump in to show you what that looks like. My second point is that the reason why you're seeing this, um, for those of you that haven't been through this process of amendments, is because our process chart and our review schedules are in our zoning regulations. And therefore, it requires amendments um, being approved through you, through the Planning Commission and Board of County Commissioners. And that's the purpose of us bringing this before you tonight. Go ahead, Alan. Okay, so I'm just gonna go over the, the, our current process, our current way of processing applications, and then I'll detail what the new process is. So currently uh, in the zoning regulations, there are submittal checklists for each application type. And that submittal checklist lists all of the documents that are required to be submitted in order for an application to be deemed complete. So once an application is deemed complete, meaning all of the required documents have been submitted, it is immediately scheduled on the, the next available hearing date or decision date if it's an administrative decision that we can meet all of the notice requirements. That is before a review for quality of the application is done. So, um, so currently we, it's deemed complete and then we, we schedule a decision date or hearing dates and then we can start conducting our review. And a lot of times we need, or our referral agencies need additional information to complete that review. And sometimes uh, the referral agency gives us comments at the last minute, we provide those to the applicant and then the applicant all of a sudden changes the proposal or provides additional documentation and staff is left scrambling at the last minute to analyze that information, include it in the staff packet and get that staff packet out the week before the hearing so that it gives 
planning commission and the board to time to review it and request more information or ask questions or things like that prior to the hearing. And so staff strives to stay on schedule so that those hearing dates or the decision date does not get um, tabled, but it puts staff under a lot of stress in those situations because it leaves a very short amount of time in order to review the additional information and get comments back from referral agencies. And sometimes that change affects the comments from another referral agency. And so it, it sometimes has a, a, a ripple effect. And so then once the staff packet goes out, then it goes through the, the, the hearing or the, the decision process and um, nothing after that point is changing in the new process. So in the, the new process, it will, uh, application would be deemed complete, meaning all of the, the required documents have been submitted. And then that application gets distributed to all of the referral agencies and staff begins their review of the application. And for the way it's set up right now, that review for administrative applications or applications that have administrative um, decisions, that would be a two week uh, review time frame. Uh, Troy, do you have a question? Yeah, I wasn't trying to interrupt, but this term quality of application you used a moment ago, and that keeps coming up. I don't know what quality of application means. Okay, so uh, like the, the, the submittal checklist says a narrative is required and there are certain elements of the narrative that have to be addressed. And we see that there's a narrative, we do a quick scan of it. Yes, yeah, it, it looks like it has everything, but we could miss something or there's additional information that is needed to fully be able to evaluate the application. And so that's when I say quality of application, meaning that the document titled narrative was submitted, but not all of the information required to complete a review is contained within that narrative. So if there's information that's lacking, that could be deemed a not quality submittal because there is additional information required. If I can jump into just to summarize all of that too, is really what we're trying to prevent is the last minute comments that you all routinely get. And what happens is because we're bound by these strict rigid timelines, um, we may not get back comments from a referral agency until the week before we put out the staff packet or after the staff packet goes out, right? So therefore, sometimes the applicant wants time to respond to those comments or staff does, but the staff packet already went out and then therefore you're getting all of these addendums and last minute comments. And that's really what we're getting at is that we wouldn't schedule the application until that's all sorted out 
And then Alan can let you know what the bottom line is where we're really not by this um, adding on too much time to the overall review process. Um, and, and he'll get to that in a second, but um, that's really the long and short of, you know, what the goal is here and what we mean by a quality application. So the director um, is the one that decides if it's a quality application or it's not? Uh, essentially, it's not just me. Um, it's also... Go project, ahead. The project manager who is actually doing the review because Christy's the one that's just distributing all the applications and making sure everybody's workload is even and and the administrative side of it, managing everybody, it's actually the planners, the project manager that is doing the review. And um, if, if they're in coming up with the questions and the additional information requests that would get submitted to the applicant. So each staff planner decides whether it's a quality application, the quality of application. Uh, yeah. Essentially, along with when we get back comments from referral agencies, so just say a CPW comes back with a slew of, of um, requirements, right? At that point, it's not considered quality because we got to get that information from the applicant. Until we answer those questions, then we can check off the box to say we have a quality application moving forward to then schedule it. Does that sound right, Alan? Did I miss anything? Oh, that sounds right. Okay. Peter, that's, you also have a that's okay for now. Thank you. Okay. I believe Peter also has a question. Yeah. So will this allow you then to um, uh, really review and um, note significant problems to the petitioners before this ends up on our agenda? Yes. Okay, yes. I, I mean, I think the example I'm thinking of was um, a few meetings ago, the home ranch came before us and they had a really nicely written narrative and a whole bunch of beautiful pictures. And in the two pages between the two, there was a water report that says the water is unsafe to drink. Exactly. And, That's a great example, Peter. And I mean, in that case, I would really love it if the staff could get back to the petitioners saying, whoa, this is not ready to go to the planning commission because, you know, number one that you always look at is health safety. Yeah. No, that's that's completely what we're trying, what our goal is here. And to prevent situations like that, unfortunately, our current process doesn't allow for us to do that. Okay. Good, yeah, because that, that was one that had you sent it back to them. Apparently the owners had uh, mitigated that prob problem and could have provided a bunch of information in the packet where when you look, we looked at it, we would have, oh, this is, this is not a terribly flawed thing. Okay, I, I, like, I like the direction you guys are going. So, Okay, so getting back to the, the proposed process. And so once the application is deemed complete, uh, then they're assigned review timeframes. Everything that has an administrative decision would be a two-week review timeframe. 
and everything else would have a three three week review time frame and that gives planning staff and the referral agencies time to review the application and put together comments that are then so a if a referral agency has comments on an application they would then provide those comments back to the project manager and at the end of that review time frame, the project manager would consolidate all of the questions and requests for additional information into one document and then provide that one document to the applicant. And then the applicant has time to respond to those questions and those requests and to resubmit that, that information. And then once that information is resubmitted, then it gets reviewed again to make sure that it doesn't cause more questions or make sure it addresses all of the questions and all of the information that was requested is submitted. And then at that point, once all of the questions are answered, all of the information is submitted, no, there aren't gonna be changes to the design or additional comments or anything like that, then and only then will it receive a decision date or get scheduled for hearings. And one of the current um, issues with our noticing requirements is that they are kind of all over the board. For this application type, the notice it, or the adjacent property owner notice must go out 30 days. For this application type, it's 21 days. For this application type, the poster is seven days. For this one, it's 21 days. So uh, depending on which application type you're dealing with, you can't get in your head a consistent time frame for those notice requirements. And yes, Sarah? Well, I just had a quick question about um, when you're talking about noticing, are you talking about like when the um, like APO letters go out, that sort of thing? Yeah, so noticing includes adjacent property owner notices, the legal ad in the newspaper, and All a of poster that. that is placed at All the site. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So once the application is scheduled, then those noticing requirements kick in and we have standardized them across the board so that uh, it's easier for planners to um, to be able to remember how how many days in advance the those particular notices have to go out and the software is also has all of these time frames built into it so the software is going to um, cue us and prompt us for when those when those notices have to go out and one and so the proposed changes to the regulations accommodate those standardized time frames and so for adjacent property owner notices it's going to be 14 days prior to the decision date or the first public hearing so planning commission um, I forgot what the, the other ones were, so give me one second. Um, 
The legal ad will be published no less than seven days prior to the decision date or the hearing and the posters to be posted a minimum of 10 consecutive days prior to the decision hearing. And so one of the, when we first started talking about this process, uh, one of the, the comments or the issues that came up was, is 14 days really gonna give people enough notice of the application, adjacent property owners, enough notice of the application to get in touch with a planner or get on the website and look at the application. And we, we all agreed that no, 14 days was not enough, but we didn't want to add a lot of time, additional time above and beyond what it currently takes to process an application. So the solution we came up with was once an application is submitted and it's deemed complete, an initial notice will get mailed out to adjacent property owners. And that notice basically will say, hey, we've gotten an application. This is the applicant. This is the application type. This is a brief description of the application. And that, but this application has not been scheduled. There's been no decision date that's set. There is no hearings that have been scheduled. This is just an initial notice to let you know that an application has been submitted and you will be receiving a notice when it is scheduled. So that gives the adjacent property owners heads up that there is an application, but it's not, it's not scheduled. And so then that, uh, that second notice will go out to them with the actual hearing or decision date. And so one of the big questions that the commissioners have are, it, is how much time will this add to the review process? And one of our, let me, let me just finish this thought, Billy. Um, once, and so we had that in our mind that we didn't want to add we, we wanted to minimize the amount of time that would be added to this review process. And so as long as a 100% quality application is submitted and no additional information needs to be submitted, uh, it will add one week to an administrative decision and it will add, very a day or two or three to the review of a like a conditional use permit or a special use permit that goes in front of planning commission and the board because that was a uh, a big concern of the board and we we felt it was a uh, a big in, a concern as well and so we took steps to address that. Um, and so as part of this process, we came up with a, re, a review policy document and basically that lays out the process for the review that we can post to our website, hand out to the, the applicant um, during a pre-application meeting because that's one thing that is going to be required through these new workflows is a pre-application meeting because uh, 
recently we've been experiencing where an applicant, uh, maybe a, a representative for an applicant surveyor or a planner, they will walk up to the window, ding the bell, drop the application and walk away. And everyone, someone goes and picks up the application, they're like, um, does anybody know anything about this? And no one has any idea what the application is for, what it's about or anything. And so then we've got to track people down to figure out what's going on. And so there is a pre-application conference that will be required. It's a required step in the workflow to be able to move past to the next step in the workflow in the software. And we think that that is going to solve a lot of uh, problems with an incomplete or not quality application. Um, and so we did come up with uh, that review process document that we can hand out to the applicant and post to our website so that they can see what the review process is like. And that was included in your staff packet. It is just a, an internal policy on how we are going to be handling applications and so if there are any comments or suggestions to that document, we can certainly go over that. And then there are changes to the review process chart to make it uh, more user-friendly and easier to read. And then the actual changes to the regulations to uh, reflect the, the new noticing requirements and some other, I don't want to call them housekeeping, but uh, changes to bring the regulations in line with our new proposed process. And so I didn't know, do y'all want to go through those, those documents and ask questions or um, how would y'all like to do that? Yeah, Billy, sorry. Let's go, to Billy. Let's go to Billy's question first. Yeah. Thank you. Um, as far as the timing goes on stuff, uh, you mentioned that uh, once everything was ready, you were gonna send out the initial letter to the neighbors, okay? And then later on, you were gonna send out a second notice when it was gonna go to the board. Uh, it seems to me that'd be great to, in that initial notice to the neighbors, that you tell them that they have a certain period of time to get back to the planning department. In other words, they got a notice about it and they could just be sitting there forever waiting for the second letter when. And so somehow in terms of your um, guidelines and how the project flow would go, I just think there needs to be some clarification for the neighbors. I don't know. Maybe the other guys understand where I'm headed or agree or that's a thought. So I, I do understand where you're heading. Um, the, the only problem that I can see with that right now, I think it's a good, I think it's a good suggestion, but the only problem is that we don't know what that time frame for getting back that they would need to get back to us is because it hasn't been scheduled. Um, so there, in the case of a, an S, a special use permit, there's an initial three-week time time frame. And 
like I said, if it's 100% solid, no additional information is required, it's going to be a three-week review. But if there are additional um, submittals that are required, then the applicant has 30 days to get us that additional information. And then there is another possibly three-week review. So it could be that the review only takes three weeks. It could be that the review drags out and they don't address the questions or the information that we need and it's not ready to be scheduled for another three, four months. So it's hard to be able to put a time frame yeah. in that initial notice because we just don't know what it is. An idea I have that might address that, okay, is that to, you go ahead and put in a minimum period of time so that it gives the neighbor a wake up call that they gotta do something and um, give a, a minimum time and then also tell them that um, final neighbor comments, um, timing, the final neighbor contents comments are um, gonna be based on the applicant's response. Like you said, there's maybe three weeks where the applicant's getting, um, he's, he's come in, you've accepted his application, you've um, said it's okay, but there's stuff he's gotta do, okay? So the neighbor's comments don't have to be in except until it's done. You see what I'm saying? There's just a period of, period of time that's just kind of, you don't know for sure. Yeah. Sarah. Okay. Sarah. Um, at what point does the staff report come out in all this? Uh, it's still going to come out that the week before the week before the plan of the hearing. Okay. So in terms of the, what the neighbors will have access to in the way of a full application regarding um, really what's going on there, that still wouldn't be until the week before the actual hearing? Um, we haven't, we haven't figured out exactly what's going to get posted, but um, the way the new software works is anybody can create a login, log into the software and see the application and any documents that have been submitted at any point during the process. Okay. So the only reason I ask is because it seems like giving an advance warning, oh yeah, there's this application there, but if there's no way for them to do any research on what the application is, it's like, it doesn't do them any good. Yeah, and so I'm just, I'm making a note right now to make sure that, because in our current uh, property owner, adjacent property owner notice, there's a, it lists the website that they can go to to review the application materials there will be a similar statement in that initial notice that says, if you want to check up on the application or review the documents that have been submitted, you can go to this website, log in, and you will be able to see anything that has been submitted in relation to that application. So even before actually all those questions are answered, all that stuff would still be available. Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. Yep. So Alan, Alan, why do you have to log in? Why can't I just go to the site and open it up? Um, okay, so I guess I'm not 100% sure that you have to make a login to be able to view the documents, but that's something that I can look into. And if you do have to create a login, 
I, I don't know if there is anything that we can, we can do about that. I think that's just probably how the software is created, but I'll, I'll check in to that for you. You know, and, and going back kind of to Billy's question, what if the thing, what if you never see the petitioner again? So you sent out this notice to, for APOs that something's coming and then the petitioner never shows back up. So it's kind of like closing the loop. I think that Billy was referring to that if I'm, a, if I'm an adjacent property owner, I got this notice and it could be anywhere from a month to, what'd you say, three or four months down the road? It, yeah, it, it could be. I mean, I don't, I don't anticipate it being like being drug out that long, but I, there's, there's always the possibility that it could. Um, I don't know. We, that's a issue that we had not thought about. So we'll, uh, we'll take it back to staff and bounce it around and see what, see what we can do about it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point, Troy, because like right now, the, the system, sorry, Troy, go ahead. Well, and if you have to do it because of the software, you have to do it. But it seems like to me, this is sort of a, you're, you're adding a step here that I'm not sure is necessary. You mean and the you, initial notification, you mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, plus, I think you're putting yourself under that burden of saying, Oh hell, I didn't get out the initial notice to, to all the APOs. I guess I would put it back on you, Troy, and the rest of the planning commission here. Do you think just 14 days notice is adequate to let you know that there's a public hearing? Because that was the impetus, well, you know, based on us. What I would throw back to you is make it I'm not sure that 14 days isn't enough. Mm -hmm. but you could go 21 days yeah. unless, unless our concern and i think peter was on this too that unless the concern is dragging out the process longer because because i don't think we want to do that yeah and when we initially had these conversations with the board just so you know i mean definitely the bottom line for plan uh planning commission board of county commissioners um, specifically one commissioner was um, definitely times and not wanting to prolong our process. Um, some of our support for this, you know, is we have, you know, our timeframes and what we're bound by right now is really abnormal and anywhere else you go. I mean, generally, if anybody has ever dealt with any other jurisdictions out there, um, to be heard essentially within a month's time period is very unheard of. Um, with that though comes unintended consequences, right? Um, you know, we're not suggesting it would add more time. So we were just being very, you know, um, aware of that time sensitivity was something that was important to the board. Another point I'd like to make is that we're, we're really striving for consistency and we are, um, very much in line with the city's process and that is important for the sake being that we deal with a lot of the same representatives a lot of the time and it is 
beneficial to have that consistency being that we share the same building department, you know? So it does make a lot of sense in, in that effort. The city, to my knowledge, Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that they are sending an initial notice, are they? Um, or are they just sticking to the 14 day? Uh, Greg, do you know the answer? Greg, you wanna jump in here? Uh, I'm not quite sure of the 14 day or not. Um, I know that we do have a website with GIS help uh, to show all current uh, projects. And then I believe once anything is deemed complete, they have to put up a sign. And then that sign gives the website to what you guys kind of were referring to. That kind of gives you a scope of basically the narrative and then the site plan. And uh, it could be a year from now when that site gets over to, you know, council or anything. But I find it to be very helpful. Um, just right next door for me, uh, Overlook uh, has been in the loops for, you know, who knows how long. And so it's nice to kind of just go out periodically onto that website. Look, oh, has there been any new submittals? Is, has anything changed? Where is this in the process? Because, I mean, a whole huge development like that is going to take a long time um, and so it is nice where you can kind of track through it and then decide and then uh, also on there it'll tell you uh, dates if they if are there are known of when you need to show up as well so I find it to be better sooner than later to get those kind of notices out um, and that it does it can be a little bit more less formal and you just send them to a website and then all that stuff is there and they can kind of uh, use what they want with it. After My they concern. Billy. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, I think it's important to keep track of that time issue. And one thing that I don't kind of like to don't like the suggestion because it makes things more complicated and you've already expressed the interest in trying to have deadlines the same, which makes sense, but you could really speed things up if different applications had different timeframes for notice. It's a simple application, there's not much going on. Um, that particular notice, give them a week. You know, you don't need a big, you know, simple project, you don't need as much time. So that's a suggestion. And I think in terms of the whole timing, uh, to speed the project up, Okay, at the expense of making it a little bit more complicated because all the deadlines are different. I think it's worth it. Um, I want to jump to another point real quick. Um, Troy mentioned something about a project going on and on and just kind of, you know, who knows, you know, this, this time frame issue. And I'm wondering if what, what you're proposing, you get any um, discussion about um, timeout. In other words, application comes in, and you've gone through three or four iterations and he just can't get his act together, his um, client, whatever. It seems to me like two months. You give him two months from their application. If it hasn't made it to planning board in two months, that's okay. They can come back later. They can, you know, do a revised application. So that's that's another thought. I'd, I'm wondering okay. if you talk about that at all. All right, so I want to I want to address that point because we have we have discussed that and it is addressed in the in the policy document. If they if a fourth submittal is required, you have to come in and meet with planning staff and any of the referral agencies. And at that point, if there a fourth submittal is required, an additional application 
fee is required as well. So that, uh, and we'll go into this with the fee schedule so that we can recover the costs that, uh, that staff is spent on an application uh, because the, the fees that we have come up with are based on a, an application going relatively smoothly. We've figured in that there would be maybe at least one resubmittal for every application, but we did not factor in three, four, five submittals. And so the way to recover those costs and to help the process go smoother is to then require a meeting with the applicant and requiring an additional application fee. I think, um, I think that's a really good idea to you know bring them in and stop things. I think, and I think more than the money, I think it's a service to the community that um, you know you don't make that property owner have to pay attention. He's got to he's got to keep checking the web, keeping the checking the web. I mean, it comes a certain period of time. It's like, is that really reasonable for the neighbor to be paying attention? Um, yeah, and so yeah. We're more, and on that same uh, the neighbor um, paying attention and stuff. I, I mean, you mentioned access is available. This is kind of hopefully on the kind of the same subject. Um, I think it's really important to make that as simple as possible. I think it's not safe to assume everybody's got a computer. I don't think it's safe that everybody is literate with you know a navigating to a certain website. You know, if, if you're going to do it on the computer, that's fine. Just make it as simple as possible. But I think when you post it, I think you got to tell them that they can come in and pick up a hard copy. You know, don't don't force the next door neighbor to do it on the web. If he wants to come in, he should be able to come in. And, and there wasn't going to be a restriction uh, against uh, a, a neighbor calling and asking for that information. Anybody can do that. Anybody can come in and we can sit them down at a computer and help them navigate to to find that documentation because everything is going to be digital we're not going to be accepting physical paper copies of well, think, probably anything that, except full full-size plats that, and that's that makes that makes a lot more sense and that's that seems pretty reasonable as long as you make that very clear in the notice the first initial notice you tell them by the way it's all digital we you know Ideally, yeah. do it on the computer, but you come on down and we'll walk you through it. Linda, did you have a comment? Did you have a comment, Linda? I had some of the same thoughts Billy did, which is um, particularly when it comes to the the neighbor, the, the person, you know, the contiguous landowner. Um, that's a concern to me that is we need to make sure that two things happen. One, they know about it, which I think the more informal letter is fine, but I think we've got to have something in that informal letter that would say, uh, if this uh, proposal goes to the commission, there will be a formal, um, you know, deadline by which you need to make your comments so that you don't have people, and then you send out that formal notice. 
Um, you don't want to have somebody come back and say, uh, I never got the informal notice or I got the informal notice, but I didn't know that I was going to have to show up and, you know, or, you know, send in something. And so I think that it becomes critical if we're going to go to a, a two notice process in order to keep the 14 days, um, the first notice needs to be pretty explanatory, as Billy has said, so that people understand how they can see it and that there is going to be an actual deadline down the line. Um, I think 14 days is pretty tight um, when you have a commute, you know, people travel, people are gone. Um, I, that has, that seems short. But if that's the deadline we want to stick with, I think the remedy is that letter ahead of time, but that it is a, a very simple explanation of the process, how they can see the proposal, and letting them know that in the future, they may get a notice that's the formal notice. And if that comes to them, they have 14 days. Thanks, Greg. Uh, yeah, Alan, I was uh, just wondering, I understand the four submittals and everything that you're talking about, and I think that's perfect. That's uh, what the city is doing as well. I wanted to know if you had any kind of address for um, waiting on the application. So basically, uh, you look at it, you say that there needs to be a resubmittal, and then uh, you're basically waiting on the applicant. My fear is, you know, maybe when the code changes or something like that, someone's just going to try and rush to get something in, try and get it approved, know that it's going to be a resubmittal, but they just want that time to have the old code so that it's under that old code and then just sit on it and just wait on it for a waiting period of, uh, for their resubmittal. Is there any language in there uh, for waiting on the applicant where there would be a deadline or anything? Um, I believe so. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the document right now just to, Um, I thought I had put in the, the, the process document that you had 30 days to, to, to submit a resubmittal. I'm not seeing it in there. So I might, I might have either imagined it or just taken it out. Yeah, but I that, briefly look, I, I couldn't find it, but I, it might be there too. I'll, I, I'm making a note of it and I'll, I'll double check and, and yeah, add, add that in there so that we're not just, they're not sitting on it and six months later they provide the, the, the additional information. That's a good comment, Greg, um, because we notoriously will have people where the ball is in their court and it extends beyond, um, our liking. So I think we prelimin preliminary discussed that, Alan. So um, we'll make a note. Um, that's a good comment. And we'll, um, uh, we'll present that to the board as well. Billy, it looks like you have a comment. I do. Thanks. Uh, just to follow up on that, um, agreed uh, definitely to give them a deadline. I think we've got to do that for sure. But um, 
back to the idea that they're going to have four resubmittals, okay, to, before then you call them in and sit them down and say, you're about to get kicked out of the system. Um, I think that's where we tie in a timeline as well. In other words, um, whether it's four, I think you need to put a time on that as well. In other words, if you can't get your submittals together, even if, even if they make two submittals, okay, and they meet the deadlines on the two submittals, that, that whole process, back and forth, back and forth, comes out to more than two months. I'm just throwing out a number, okay? At that point, that's when you bring them in. That's when you sit them down and you say, you want to stick around or not, okay? And so you, you just set up your rules and regs. One case is you get, you get bumped if you get too long or too many. Right, to your point, Philly, um, you know, and part of our goal here, and I know the city deals with the same issue as we do with some of our usual suspects, I'll say, um, and, and representatives that we both, you know, both jurisdictions deal with is, you know, these um, representatives, I'll just use the broad term representatives and, you know, not call out a certain um, industry here. Um, but, you know, we, we also recognize some of the game too. You should be well aware as a representative what is required for a quality submittal. You should not be submitting plats, for example, with the wrong owner information on it. I mean, like, it's just basic things like this. And really what we're both agencies are trying to do here is to um, get, bring them all into check. And, you know, I think by having this hard line here, we're going to be able to get some consistency and they'll know what's, you know, get that expectation out there of, Hey, if you don't get it right, you know, you're going to get kicked back and it's going to cost you and your client more money. And it's, you know, we're trying to reduce those times, uh, reduce those kind of issues. So, I mean, this is going to be beneficial across the board, the way we all see it. Next, Alan. Um, so... I, I really don't have any more comments about the, the review process. Um, like I said before, the, the amendments to the regulations that were in your packet were meant to uh, kind of clean up the regulations and bring them in line with the, the new review process and to standardize the language between the zoning and the subdivision regulations. While I was going over this, I noticed that under the appeal section, the appeal section and the subdivision regulations was not the same as the appeal section and the zoning regulations. And so made some of those changes. Um, there were some other things that were in the zoning regulations that were not in the subdivision regulations. So, uh, so made all of that consistent and then there were also changes to the review process chart that were made to, again, make it a little easier to read, a little less wordy. The review process chart, the existing one, <clears throat> uh, has the, the notice, the existing notice requirements in there. And since those are being standardized, they were re removed from the review process chart and just um, included in the regulations so that, and, and that standardized it. So um, I don't know if y'all want to go through the changes to the regulations that are being proposed 
Troy's shaking his head now. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. I, I, I like that answer. Um, so, and I have, since this has gone out, we have had conversations with the county attorneys and they have some comments on both the, the review policy document and the regulations. And we have had conversations with others who have provided comments and those comments will get addressed the, the next time that you see them. I didn't want to bring them up to you right now because I think it would just get too complicated going through a document that already has a lot of changes and adding additional changes. And so we'll, uh, but, but the next time. Yeah, no problem, <laughs> no problem. So um, if y'all don't have any more comments or questions on the, the review process, then um, we can move on to uh, Bill, Billy. I'll try to make my uh, Briefly. Yeah, so um, as far as the timing, maybe, maybe something that might speed up some timing has to do with the representation. And I'm not sure exactly what you have now, and that's just no requirements. But I'm concerned that sometimes you might have a situation where the representative and the applicant um, may disagree and if they have a certain relationship, that's going to slow down the process. Okay. And it's, obviously, if it slows down, it's their problem. So maybe it's not an issue for us. Agreed. Uh, I think it's their problem and, and not staff's. Okay. So right now, is there a, something pretty formal when uh, the application comes in and um, somebody is actually formally designated as a representative who can speak for? the applicant or is that kind of like informal? Yeah, so there's going to be, um, so the, the representative, the representative is going to have login information. The landowner is gonna have login information. The applicant is gonna have login information and they're going to be designated as contacts in the software. And so whenever a document is created or an email is sent out, you can choose whether it goes to just the primary contact or if it goes to all of the contacts. Because that's one of the issues that we, we, we deal with is that we're directly dealing with the representative. The representative is not always uh, conveying that information to the landowner. And so then the landowner calls us and says, well, why aren't you doing this? And it's like, well, we told your representative that A, B, and C need to get addressed before we can move forward. Did they not tell you that? I'm like, no, they didn't tell me that. And so again, that's to Troy's point, that's an issue between the applicant and their representative but the new software will allow everybody that's designated as a contact to see all of the correspondence, all of the documents, everything, so that we can try to bridge that gap. Thanks, okay. Alan. Thank you, let me sneak that in there. I'm done. Billy, Billy, yes, we're sir. moving on to Christy right now. Oh, good. Christy, we're gonna talk about process? Briefly. Thank you. <laughs> Unless you want more detail, I'm going to be very brief, but you got the grasp of what our goal is here today. Along with that comes our revised fee schedule, which is very um, antiquated as well. Um, we have the same issues of how we have 
traditionally done billing and how we would like to come into, uh, you know, the new ages here um, with how everybody else bills time. Um, and then with that also comes um, with raising our fees because again, they need to do that so we can recruit costs. And um, I'm gonna try to be brief here because my little guy here needs help with uh, something. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Here we are with the era of Zoom um, and working from home. Um, so with that, um, our, you know, the issue staff is trying to solve here specific to the fee schedule is the practice of charging additional planner time, which is how we bill now. And it's, um, it's just not efficient. Neither our current software nor our new software can, our, our time tracking or billing software Therefore, we've had to implement many workarounds over the years, um, and we would need to do with buying this new software. Um, and it's just, it doesn't make sense. So staff's recommendation is to move forward with a revised fee schedule that's consistent and clear and covers staff time review through a single application fee and no additional hourly charges, which is what we currently do. Um, with the new system, billing will be consistent with how other departments um, bill. Anywhere I've ever worked, <laughs> billing can be done in the new CityView software um, and in Munis, eliminating the need for a third software just for track time. Um, and essentially what we do now is our fee schedule is based on the typical review time for say a conditional use permit, which would take most planners and if everything runs smoothly, which some do, would be like five hours times the staff hourly rate. And the staff hour hourly rate is provided to us through the county's accounting department and it, um, it basically incorporates overhead charges and all sorts of this complicated calculation of how they come up with that which currently is 134 an hour um, and that's based on our old fee schedule our new hourly rate is 144 an hour so um, basically when we're reviewing an application we're saying that that application based on that application review will take us five hours anything over that five hours we start um, docking the applicant essentially um, and they get a separate bill after the fact you know as we continue on for those hours that go over the five hours and that's just one example it's not efficient I mean the the applicants are aware of this but it's very complicated um, so our new recommendation is to basically recoup all of those costs on the front end it's based on our new hourly rate along with considering the administration um, fees um, on the front end. Also, prior to somebody submitting, it is also accounting for most times we're meeting with applicants before they formally submit an application. So we're not charging for that time and it, there's a lot of planner time that is waste right now um, that we plan to recruit on, on the front end. 
Um, we, some changes to the fee schedule that we haven't charged for um, in the past would be our red line review when it comes to plats. This takes, this can take months. And so we are essentially charging an applicant after the fact on the back end for review when we're going back and forth with the attorneys and you know, the applicant's attorneys and title searches and things of that nature. Um, and that can go on. Um, so basically for a subdivision, if an application, once it's approved, we charge a flat rate of typically what it would cost. And I think we're putting out there $600, um, which would cover essentially four hours, four and a half hours of staff time. Um, one of the comments Alan and I discussed is to also include that same, you know, four strikes, you're out type thing um, to also help get it, you know, if, if it we're going beyond that time, we charge the applicant or that, um, that surveyor or a um, representative, again, if they don't get it right, if we, you know, give them a red line plat with XYZ that needs to be corrected and they only give us A, <laughs> where, um, you know, we give them a certain amount of time to get it right. Otherwise it gets kicked back. Um, another fee which we traditionally wouldn't have charged for is what's called a skyline review. Um, that is something that takes minimum two planners outside of the office it's associated with a building permit review. So they pay for their building permit, but, um, but these property owners choose to place their building in a skylined area, which you don't have to do. Therefore, staff needs to go out and do what's called a balloon test to verify if something is ridgelined and, and um, verify if they need to revise their plans. It's something that's identified in the regulations, but again, it's something that takes a minimum two, three hours for two staff members to be out of the office to conduct. Um, and we do, and it's just basically free of charge right now. And we're just losing a lot of overhead and time and money. Um, so that's you know, significant that we added um, to recruit costs. Um, but ultimately, the numbers that you've seen in the staff report that we are proposing um, is something that we preliminary discussed with the board. Uh, they were in favor of. We didn't have numbers at that time, but we did say that we did research um, other jurisdictions, um, Summit County, Eagle County, um, the city of Steamboat Springs. I mean, me working in other jurisdictions in the past, um, knowing that our fees have always been very low. Um, so really we're trying to bring our fees up to um, a, normal, a normal fee that you're gonna see anywhere else um, and try to recoup those costs. And that's the ultimate goal. Troy? Yeah. What? I am going to need to leave the meeting. I don't think we're voting on any of this tonight, correct? We're not. That's correct. This is considered a work session right now. I have a birthday party for my youngest son to Zoom into right now. And so I do need to leave if that's all right. Sure. Thank you, Linda. Thank you.
Go ahead, Billy. Yeah, okay. I, I know we're all anxious to go, so I'm going to try to make it real quick. And I'm going to just throw out a couple topics, and hopefully um, you and Alan can, can talk about them and get back to us all. First one is you, you mentioned um, checking with the other communities. And so just a real quick question for you. Um, how many of these people have flat fees versus actual charge for real time? They all have flat fees. We're the only one who bills in this nature, except for Summit County, who has the ability to charge an hourly fee by the planning director for your atypical um, type project. But other than that, um, everybody else is a flat fee. I think the, yeah, so an issue is fairness. Okay, obviously, Smaller projects shouldn't have to pay as much. I mean, that's just kind of the concept. And other, obviously, the other side is if it's flat fee, then it should all work out. Um, somehow, I think you guys need to talk about that somehow because it doesn't, for me, it doesn't really seem fair. Um, that's that subject. The, the billing thing, oh, accountability. At some point, um, well, that would be a separate issue, accountability. Um, at some point, I think you would want to compare your flat fees cost with your actual expenses, right? That's the concept, that's what you're supposed to do and that's why you wanna do it, right? Well, besides making it easy, but um, to get any kind of accountability, you're gonna to have to track time. I know you don't wanna track time. We're not suggesting not to track time, just to be clear. Oh, okay. um, we, tra we track time on a regular basis, oh, um, but we have another software that tracks specific to what we spend on review for application types. Um, the purpose of that is for the after, the after, um, the above what we are um, reviewing for your typical application type. When, when you say you're track time right now, you're tracking time by project? Yes. Oh. yes. We track time for everything that we do. We okay. track time for code enforcement and that's not billable. We try, and this is how we justify needing, for example, more staff in the office. We're down a full-time planner and we use our tracking time to justify all sorts of things. So, and accountability is a big, big issue. So to your point, you know, we are doing that. We're not suggesting we're not. It's for the sake of being consistent with what the other communities do, being fair, and making sure that staff, we're not losing money in the amount of time we are spending and not billing for. Bottom line. Gotcha. Um, and your, your point about uh, how complicated it would get if you tried, you know, the way you're doing it, maybe tightening that up a little bit, how it's, you don't really want several different pieces of software out there to track your time and billing. I understand that. But, but I will tell you just from a practical experience, um, Consulting engineering firm uh, I had, um, a consulting firm, that's, that's the basis of what you do. You're billing everything. And we had some really, really easy software. And we started from scratch and we implemented it. It wasn't, I've seen bigger systems that are nasty. There are some really simple ones out there, but I can see why you wouldn't want to do it. So I just wanted to say that that's an option. I don't know if you want to consider. So it was quick in books. That's what it was, that's the software. So. Very, very simple. I'm done. Thank you for listening. You done, Christy? I'm done. <laughs> Unless anybody else has any other comments.
I don't think so. I think um, it, it seems to me from our perspective, what makes you guys happy and more efficient and able to accomplish everything that is on your plate. Um, I mean, I think this type of discussion is good and maybe we spent 15 minutes on this chat. So I think it's important and as you described, it's gotta come back because it's a, what a zoning amendment and subdivision and all that. But so I get why it comes back to us, but it, if it helps you guys, I don't think other than maybe if there's a typo somewhere or if we have questions about why is it this way or why is it that way, I think it's more for you guys' benefit than ours. You know, we we come and go and and uh, learn and, and adjust as as necessary. You guys are the ones that have to do this every day. So it, at the end of the day, I think if it works for staff and, and your department, I don't know why we wouldn't be supportive of it. So um, like I say, good, good discussion. Thanks for bringing it to us, but uh, I don't have anything else to add and I didn't see any hands go up. So I think we're good. I think we're good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for all of your feedback. It was, it's gonna, it's gonna be helpful. Make this process better. Thank you all for participating. This meeting will be adjourned. Well, Christy, did you have an administrator's report? Oh. Uh, a brief <laughs> one. Brief one. <laughs> Our next planning commission meeting is November 5th. We do have two items scheduled. Um, one is a CUP for the Hayden Heritage Center. And the other is an SUP, and you'll be seeing Lucky Eight Ranch coming back before you for um, for an amendment. Um, and then the next uh, planning commission date is November nineteenth, and right now you'll be seeing this again, hopefully for as an adoption meeting, provided nothing drastically changes. But um, it's scheduled as a work session work session slash adoption. And that's what we have right now. Uh, we have about 10 projects on our list for anticipated projects. Um, we know how this goes. We can get them all submitted tomorrow. We could not see them again, or they could be staggered out. But from the looks of it, we're still, um, you know, our activity, planning activity is remaining high. And as I said before, where we're seeing the most activity is at the administrative level, building permits, um, that seems to be, um, that seems to be where we're seeing the most, uh, activity at the moment. Christy, does this, does this go back to the board, this, uh, review process and fee schedule before it comes back to us? It does. So it is scheduled, um, October 13th. Uh, no, that's passed. <laughs> Alan, when did you reschedule that? Sorry. That was when it was originally rescheduled. Uh, you'll be seeing it they'll be seeing it based on your recommendations before it goes back to you to answer your question okay um and then one other thing i want i wanted to add, add on to christy's comments about just our workload and um where we're seeing a lot of activity is 
planner of the day questions. We are, I mean, there are some days where the phone just does not stop ringing and we can't get any work done on any of the, the current projects we're working on. Um, what planner of the day questions were up like 180% over this time last year. I mean, it is, it's kind of ridiculous how, how many questions we get. And I would say 60 to 70% of them are related to residential development, like um, picking up old projects that have been sitting around for 10, 15 years and all of a sudden there's the demand. And so we're having to go back and pick up the pieces from 10 years ago and figure out where it got left off and what needs to get done. And so it's, yeah, we're, we are staying busy and the, the increase in the number of building permits is directly related to that. I think Todd Carr, chief building official said they're doing one and a half to two times the amount of building permits out in the county than they are in the city which is kind of goes against the, the whole intent of the master plan. But I think that is just due to the fact that there are a lot of, a lot of vacant lots out in the county that were created in the, the mid 2000s and the obvious lack of lots in the city. So it, it is driving people out into the, to the county. So we are, residential development is uh, booming right now. That, uh, that is for sure. I just recently, I think I, I provide a monthly report to the Board of County Commissioners. And in that I've been providing this information all along, but um, more importantly, during our budget um, discussions, I've been talking about getting another planner in here. Cause as you all know, we are down a full-time planner um, and we're the busiest we've ever been. And Although I'm proud to say we're getting it done, it's just not sustainable. Um, and, you know, from their perspective, um, I was trying to figure out what the, what the disconnect was because, you know, they, they were saying they just don't, they're just not seeing it. Um, and, and I thought about that and how I can demonstrate this differently to them. And it was because, you know, that's not where we're seeing the level of activity, the applications that are going before them. Um, so I was able to provide a, um, a graph. I can send it all to all of you because um, it is pretty interesting. And I kind of put it into a graph format and, you know, showed the level of uh, building permits from May and just the level increase to today is like 160% our pod calls. And um, another interesting indicator was our board of adjustment applications. Typically we see four to five, average five over the past four years per year. And we are at 12 applications that the board of adjustment has considered in four months. That's really like significant. And like to Alan's point, I mean, that's what we're seeing. All the calls and inquiries about development, residential development in particular, and on these lots that nobody ever considered wanting to build on, you know, um, or people buying lots with houses on them that are in a setback, non-conforming, and they're looking to put additions on them or, or what have you. Um, so this last round of report I sent to the commissioners uh, did the job <laughs> and uh, they finally got it and realized the severity um, 
you know, without putting flashing lights onto, we need another planner in here. Um, they, they got the message and now they um, have agreed that um, they're gonna advertise for the planning director role um, to get another planner in here. Um, and where that goes, um, I obviously will apply. Um, we'll see where that goes as well. Um, but the more important point is that we will get another full-time planner and I think that we can be more efficient because of it. And then along with these um, process changes that again, just efficiency across the board because I don't see this slowing down um, anytime soon. You know, you have a lot more people moving here that are remote and have the ability to work remote. And really what you're hearing and Troy, I'm sure you've heard this in the industry as well that you know, people want to get out of the cities. They're looking to move to rural, you know, places and, you know, get out of cities. And, you know, we're just seeing that influx of people. So, um, again, I just don't see the work that we're performing right now, albeit it's just not sustainable. And we're already starting to see review times go beyond what we would like them to be. So we want to get ahead of it. And we would have liked to earlier in the summer, but the message wasn't getting across, apparently. Or red. So, Christy, um, on that topic, what are you hearing about the master plan update? So that was part of the discussion. Um, right now, obviously, it was deferred because of COVID and budget cuts until next year. Um, but I told the commissioners, there's no way we can move forward next year with the staff that we have. I mean, with the level of activity, and that was part of, you know, my my pitch for getting another planner um, at some capacity, whatever they want to do, um, you know, to be able to, if priority is master plan, you know, I mean, priority is getting another planner, period. But if they want to work on the master plan, if we, if that's our goal, which it would be mine, um, we just can't, there's no way with the staff that we have. I mean, as the department manager right now, what, the level of activity and being able to get the job done has involved me jumping in, you know, completely taking me away from everything else I'd like to be doing right now, but doing permit review and, you know, going out and doing inspections and more, most importantly, code enforcement has been through the roof off the charts more than we've ever seen. Typically we see about two applications a month, maybe that we're managing we have 18 code enforcement active cases in the door right now, you know, and it's just, it's really crazy right now. So um, to your point, it is a priority and it sounds like it is of the commissioners too. And I think that was part of, um, you know, them realizing, wow, <laughs> you're right. We should get somebody in here. So. But, but so the earliest you're, you're seeing is, yeah, first quarter 21. Yeah. So, um, so as you know, we got the grants from DOLA um, and that was for um, assistance with bringing in a consultant um, to mainly just help manage the project. Um, obviously staff would be doing the work. Um, but we have the grant that was awarded, award, awarded to us and that expires May of 2022. Um, however, because of COVID and every other community out there, 
um, who has put these kind of projects on hold. They have, um, and I have in writing from them and had the discussions about the ability to extend that grant. And so even if we didn't do it next year, um, for whatever reason and whatever happens, um, we could pull from it or ask for an extension and they're very, um, they'll work with us with that. So we have a lot of flexibility. Thank you. No problem. Apart from that, um, I don't know if anybody has anything else right now. If not, I'm sure we've taken up way more of your time than you would have liked. And uh, we will see you in November. Thank you all. Happy Halloween. Have a nice evening. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye, guys. Good night. Good night. Hey, Sarah. Hey. <laughs> um, so, so, yep, go ahead. Oh, so um, one of the things, and I don't know whether it's, uh, yeah, something that you can do. Uh, thank you, Billy. Um, is you know, I understand why you disabled the chat function, but that totally disables my ability to just make little snide comments to you. I hate that. Okay, so, so here's what you do. <laughs> this is what Alan and I do, and I didn't even think to tell you about this. Oh. Do, you know, do you know how to use Gchat? No. Oh, like Google Chat? Yeah, Google Chat. Okay. So that's what we all do on the side. So let me um, go in. I probably won't do it tonight, but I'll set yeah, it up. Yeah, no, no, no. I no will rush. send you. You'll get a request from me, and you can okay. be on my list, and then we can so chat that way. Do I get that, that through my email? <laughs> Yeah, it's through your email. So okay. you can find me also um, through my email. I'm, uh, you know, my Gmail. It's just kwindsor27 at gmail.com. So you can okay. set up the Google chat and you can yeah. um, send me like an invite. Um, I could do the same. And that's okay. how we all chat on the side. I didn't even think to like tell you that. Okay. <laughs> telling me <laughs> so so really funny my husband's right here like so we're, we're in santa fe right now and oh awesome wait where are you where are you we're in um madrid or madrid some people call it it's it's um oh my god it's like a quirky cool little little place um just south of santa fe about oh awesome like a 40 minute drive it's yeah. on the turquoise highway oh yeah okay so um, really quirky little place. He had a job here. So his work like put us oh. up in this B&B &B that we're in. Anyway, yeah. he like tortured, listened to this the entire time. And he's like, no, the he's one. like, he goes, you're the coolest one, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I already prepped him. I'm like, this okay. is probably going to be painful. Right now you can like appreciate what I have to deal with all the time. But <laughs> Well, normally I would be either be in Texas right now or on my way, but we're not going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, but yeah, we drove down the year and... that we're usually in New Mexico, either, you know, on our way there and then later on in November. On uh, you should check out this place. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah, look, look it up. It's called Madrid. Okay. Madrid, New Mexico. 
And we're staying at this like little cute B&B above um, the Java Junction. It's a, the only coffee place, like <laughs> breakfast joint in town. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, so he's just been tortured this entire time and he's like, oh my effing God. So I'm trying not to laugh because I'm on mute. And he's like, is this guy fucking for real? <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, well, that's good to know because it's been like killing me. I'm just like, oh God, I want to like yeah. chat. And then I go. Yeah, and right I didn't there, even so. think to tell you that. But yeah, so we all get on Gchat and oh, we're awesome. just like. Okay, good to know. Good back to know. and forth. So that's the best way to communicate. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> Oh, good. That was my only thing. <laughs> Cheers. I know I'm always muted because I'm always like off video because I'm always like drinking something. During the hey, this is the only benefit to being on Zoom, right? You're just like. It's the one thing. It's like somebody was here like, well, at least you know we can have beer. And I was like, isn't that what Zoom However, there was like twice. I was like, is Greg drinking a beer? Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but I, you know, I don't care. I don't care either, but it was just like, wow. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, anyway. all good. Thanks. All good right, to see cool. you. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Okay. All right, bye. Bye.